right, guys, welcome back to the Short Story Long Podcast, where we share the work and play of working class Midwestern millennials. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by my co-host, Andrew Dial. What's up, guys? And a new special guest, Mrs. Marlene Wine. Say hello, Marlene. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? So Marlene is the mother of my girlfriend and a certified car girl. So we've got a whole list of questions that we want to ask you. But first, um, what's new with you, Dozer? I would say what's new with me is uh, after six years of applying for a Bobcat tag in Illinois, I finally got one. And the first time out, I killed one. Hell yes. So that was super cool. Um, Almost wish it didn't happen that easy. Right. But uh, it did, and we'll take it, I guess. So... After all of the, how you had it built up in your mind, did it? Like, I just figured it would be like, I would have to try so hard. It would like put a strain on my marriage and like I was going to do anything it takes. And it ended up being uh, about a two hour deal. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, So anything else? I think that's it. That's my big news. Everything's boring in comparison. Right. I didn't really do anything too fun. Um, I worked on my pickup truck, did some wiring on it, um, got some parts in for the Grand Cherokee to get it going. Um, I smoked a bologna. Uh, yes, I saw oh, that. Yeah. I never did hear the report back. It tastes like bologna. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 bologna's okay. It's not, it's not really my favorite, but uh, other than that, Shout out to uh, Drew from Licking My Chicken. He's the he got me set up with some rub to put on it. So are you gonna do it again, or is it one of those like we've been there, done that, don't need to do it again? Uh, I did not like it enough to do it again. Um, it is a cheap meal though. I think it was ten dollars for a five pound roll of bologna. So you'll be eating on that a while. It'll be going. I've I've already distributed some. So if you want some before you leave, let me know. <laughs> I'm gonna forget to do that. Okay, Marlene, what's new with you? Oh, uh, not a whole lot. Uh, Trying to get ready for the. Christmas holiday coming up in a couple of weeks, so got to get some things prepared for my kids out in Nebraska, so getting ready to get that going. Other than that, not a whole lot. Good deal. Good deal. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, we appreciate you being a listener, Marlene. Uh, How long have you listened? Uh, Since day one. Um, (laughs) Actually, I need to have something to do while I'm on my... uh, walk through my woods and uh, you guys keep me entertained while I'm trying to get some exercise. How's that? We we appreciate you. You're like one of 11. So, so very good. Um, so I had a couple emails that we're going to go over here. Uh, Tim Gebhardt, he wrote in after the burnout episode, he says, I'm a lot like Sam and I've had at least tried to do burnouts in every car I've ever owned. I can't nail down a favorite, but I had two cars that were really great burnout cars, a 71 Plymouth Scamp with a 318 automatic and a 68 Pontiac Sport Le Mans 354 speed. I could get rubber in all four gears with the Le Mans, power shifting and letting it walk out through third and fourth. That one would also get me pulled over for street racing and during a stoplight dash with a 67 notchback Mustang. Uh, great podcast. Really enjoy listening. Cheers. Sneakers, the pinstripe guy. So... Thanks, Tim, for for reaching out. We appreciate that email. Um, Joe Gasper sent me a burnout video when he first got the uh, the Rambler going, uh, like nine years ago or something like that. So it was uh, less than spectacular compared to how it is now. But thanks for sending the video in. And uh, if it, 
was a little bit better audio quality, I probably could uh, play the audio on here, but it would probably just sound like crap on a, on a podcast. So um, other than that, uh, John Flowers sent us a whole bunch of pictures of some wheeling pre-World War II in Johnson Valley, Barstow area. Proof that you can take a shitbox anywhere. It's a bunch of like old A, you know, model A Ford. I need to see this. Yeah, so I, I printed them off so you could see them. Um, but he says he also enjoys naming cars, coworkers, and favorite tools. <laughs> so thanks, John, for being a listener. Um, so this episode is going to be centered primarily around Marlene. Uh, we've had uh, Laren on describing being married to a car guy. And now we've got Marlene, who is not only married to a car guy, but is a car girl herself and raised some car girls. So uh, we'll go with our, excuse me, standard short story long questions. Um, How do you know us? It's pretty obvious. I kind of touched on that. But how did you meet both me and Dozer? Well, I met Dozer through Sam um, just a few weeks back. Uh, and actually, Sam, I think the first time I ever ran into you was on one of our spring runs. Okay. Um, you had your car out and doing crazy burnouts, and I had to figure out who this kid was, and uh, <laughs> now he's dating my daughter. So <laughs> So I apologize in advance and forever for that. So, uh, What is your occupation? I work for a nationwide trucking company in the customer service dispatching department. Oh, cool. And uh, aside from cars, what other hobbies do you have? Uh, I like to garden a little bit, um, yard work. Actually do enjoy mowing my yard. That that's me very, too. That's very rare. I don't. Like Sam. I, I do not. And Amanda does not either. She, There's nothing better than a Friday afternoon and stop by the liquor store and get you a, a pack of your favorite drink and go home and just mow. Right, yeah. Put your, put your headset on and get it tuned up to the music you want or a podcast. You're just mowing. It's just you in the grass. Yeah, I don't even put the, the headphones on. I just, it's it's just me and being outside and all the stress goes away. Riding around my yard. So I, I don't have children, and I've been told it's a good way to get away from the wife and kids as a husband. So is that true for a, for a wife as well, to get away from the husband? And yeah, you go... might say that. Okay. Yep. I, I would yeah. say when, both ways. when Laren stayed home with the kids, that was her job was to mow. Okay. Like I'd get home from work, and she'd be heading out the door. She's like, going to mow. Like, gotcha. <laughs> That's right. Copy. All right. What was your first car, Marlene? Uh, the first car that I ever actually purchased myself was a 74 Mustang II hatchback. Okay. Red, little four-cylinder automatic. Okay. So what got you into cars in the first place? I would have to say um, my two older brothers. I'm the only girl. I had two older brothers. Um, they all or both had cars during their high school years, and... Uh, I, they'd pay me to clean them up on the Friday night before they went out on a date and just got to be around them and learn to love them. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and what is your favorite car that you've ever owned? I'd say favorite car I've ever owned. 
a toss-up right now between the 68 Charger and at one time I had a 77 Cutlass Supreme Brome, triple black. Oh my. There you go. Nice. And that was like your previous podcast where you talked about as soon as you buy it, you got to bring home and put the wheels on it. Well, that's what I did. Took the stock wheels off, got some chrome ones put on, put some air shocks on it, jacked it up a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. What's what's a car that you regret getting rid of? Well, let's see. Um, I think at one time Gary and I had a uh, 68 Nova. Was it a 68? I think it was a 68 Nova. I mean, it was plain Jane. Little four-cylinder, which I think was the first year they came out with a four-cylinder, possibly. Really? And the car barely had enough power to make itself pull yourself up a hill. Okay. But, uh, I mean, it was in great shape. We bought it, turned around and sold it, and it probably wasn't a month later. It ran underneath the semi and was totaled out. Oh, no. The guy lived. (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, I think I regret selling that because now it would have been... Worth quite a bit of money. Worth quite a bit of money. Gotcha. On, on a side note, not to interrupt, but my dad, my grandpa was an insurance adjuster, and my dad had a chance to buy a 69 Camaro when he was in high school that had like some damage to it or something, and it was, I think it was fixable, and my grandpa would not let him buy that. On account of it was a dangerous car? It was dangerous. He'd get killed, <clears throat> and dad, dad to this day talks about it like, I would be rich if I would have bought that car. Oh, he'd whatever. Probably, he'd probably never kept it, but... Yeah. What uh, what do you what would you say is like the wildest thing? Because I've heard a couple stories about your grandpa being an insurance adjuster. Uh, what's like the wildest thing? I, I know I, I, he had a gun that was like it's worth a bunch of money now that he bought or something. Yeah, I, well, I have that gun. It's a nylon '66 Remington. Okay. And uh, he he got that. It was stolen, and they paid the guy for it. Then they ended up finding the guns, so the guns are owned by the insurance company. Okay. And that was the first gun I ever shot, and I, I have that now. But car-wise, the only thing I can think of, and maybe I've mentioned it on this podcast, was my grandma worked for the Y-Yard. Yeah. And my grandpa needed a car to drive around to do insurance adjusting. And they had, like, it was, they had two AMC cars. Like, the front half was a 66 and the back half was a 67. One was wrecked on one side. One was wrecked on the other, <laughs> and they cut it in half at the Y yard and welded it together. And he drove that car while he was <laughs> wow. in, adjusting insurance. It was two different cars welded together. That is fantastic. I assume it was a Rambler, but I, it was it was an AMC. I know. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool, huh? I've hmm. That's uh, that's something. I don't know if I ever told you that story. Or you not. haven't. No, with two cars welded together. That's yeah. things were different back then. But but enough about me. Okay. Um. So, number seven, Marlene, what is your dream car? Well, uh, a list or a car that I've had on my list for quite a while is a 87 Buick Grand National. Okay. And I can remember the first time I ever saw one. Um, we were leaving the Street Machine Nationals in the coin, headed to Carbondale. And if you've ever driven that route at all, uh, when you're heading towards Carbondale, there's a, a curve in the highway that it, if you're coming... Going into DeCoin, it's up all over the hill, and here it comes. We're heading towards Carbondale, and I seen it coming at us, and it was beautiful. And I've always wanted one, still. 
they're only getting more expensive. Right. Oh, man. So the, the next question on the list is probably going to be pretty hard to nail down. But what would you say is your favorite car story and or memory? Um, well, there's a multitude of car stories, I guess. But uh, uh, after I got the Charger done, we took it to when they had a car show here uptown. I forget what the name of it was. Anyway, um, they had the car show around the square uptown, and I actually ended up winning best of show that year. Well, that's awesome. That's cool. It that, was pretty cool. That had to make you feel good. It made me feel great. <laughs> that's And so what What year did that car get finished? Approx- uh, approximately? It's probably. It's probably been at least 20 years ago that it was finished. So what would that have been? 2002, somewhere in there, 2000. And it still looks absolutely gorgeous to this day. Testament to the guy who painted it. He did a good job. Yep. Yep. I think my favorite story about that, I don't know, we were out in your garage or whatever, and he was telling us about you, you had it, and it was just a, you know, a messed up, you know, kind of a project car. It was orange. It was the, uh, yeah, the uh, Dukes Dukes of Hazard Hazard. Orange. Oh, Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said he came out to the garage one day and you had it ripped apart. <laughs> he wasn't ready to start on it, but you were. That's right. Yeah, same way with the convertible. It's uh, like He comes home one day and I've already started taking it apart. He's like, what are you doing? I said, got to start sometime. We're starting now or it'll never get done. That's the one thing my wife has learned. If she wants my help with anything, she just starts doing it herself first. Yeah. Yep. That must, must be a wife thing because like, <laughs> uh, Mana does the same thing. She'll ask me to do something, and I won't do it immediately, and so she will start to do it. And then, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'll, I'll offer to help. And she'll, oh, no, 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 I got it now. I'm like, okay, whatever, go for it. Yep. So then uh, so then when you decided, what co- Gary asked you what color you wanted to paint it, and you said black. <laughs> His jaw dropped. He's like, oh, my God, did you see the length of that quarter panel? <laughs> I said, yep sure do and i know you can do it so anyway that that was on my like we had the question what's one car you know of that you'd love to have and, and that's one of them just because it's so beautiful just seeing that car and it's it's not a car you get to see at a car show every day and uh it's it's always funny going to a car show with you because everyone assumes it's gary's car because it's not a car you normally see a girl driving right but yep. it's it's your car and uh you call it a boy magnet all the time because just line after line of guys come up take pictures of it look at it drool over it. it's pretty funny yeah it is especially the the younger boys they relate because i think they relate to the dukes of hazard as well and sure yeah yeah they uh they're always good and eye in it i remember one show we uh we're getting ready to leave and father and son were standing just off away from the car for a little bit and and uh finally i rolled my window down i said can i help you with something he's like my son's just waiting for you to start that car up. He said he's been waiting. He's been waiting for you to show up. He just wants to hear it run. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so does it have loud exhaust on it, or is it stock exhaust? Or uh, It's not stock exhaust, but it's not extremely loud, but uh, you'll know it's there whenever you get in it. So it's got a 383 in it. Okay. Built by Dean Willenberg. Correct. And uh, it, it'll get with it. And uh, I, I think... Dozer can remember this when when I put a 440 in my Dart. Ever you know, 
all the all the guys, all all the older generation was like, "Oh, that's more motor than you'll ever need," you know. And right. it's not a quick car. I mean, it's I mean it's I mean half the cam lobes are wore off of it. But and and but you it's don't believe in zinc additive or didn't at the time. It, it's a smog motor and everything, but you know I, I've always been disappointed in the performance of that much you know displacement in that small of a car, and. Uh, Gary is kind of modest and he told me, he said, Oh, you know, it's a stock motor. It's a stock motor. And, and I'll be driving behind him and Marlene will just kind of roll into the throttle of the stop sign, just light him up, leaving the stop sign. And <laughs> I remember I was over at Crossroads one day. I was like, yeah, Gary told me that motor stock. And he goes, Oh no, that motor ain't stock. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, when he was building it, he's like, well, what do you want this thing to do? And I looked him square in the eye. I said, Make it outrun that blue Chevelle. It's like, <laughs> I can handle that. And the uh, the license plate used to say SS Eater ah. because Gary's car is a Chevelle SS with big block. Pretty pretty awesome car in its own right. And uh, it's just the the you know the dynamic of husband and wife with you know competing brands and competing cars is pretty good. So, but yeah, um, so a listener uh, has emailed in with some more questions for you, Marlene. She would like to know, what is it like raising car girls versus car guys or car boys? Because like Dozer and I weren't really raised as car boys, but I mean, you think of a boy as being, you know, dirty, rough and tumble, gearhead kind of whatever. The, the listener would like to know, what is it like to raise a car girl? Well, uh, I have three of those. Don't have any boys, but I got three girls and... They all are car girls. Um, the oldest, her dream car when she was 16 was a uh, Monte Carlo SS. So that is what we found her and built her. Um, the middle daughter has a 442 old, so she's in it. And the youngest one is uh, in the midst of getting a 68 Camaro built for her. So um, it's good. Uh, I think they can handle their own against the boys just because they were raised that way. And Do you have to worry about them being as stupid in their cars as boys? Are they more reasonable, or do you still have that worry like they're going to crash this thing? I'm not worried about them crashing it. I, I think one guy, when we bought or got the Monte Carlo for our oldest daughter, of course it's got the, the 305 in it, and they were all, man, you can't you can't put a 16-year-old behind a, a big block car, a 305. It's going to, you know, they can't handle that, and I'm, I'm like, well, you can if you raise them, right? They'll be fine. <laughs> and actually, the youngest daughter, we bought her a uh, Grand Prix GTP turbocharged when she turned 16. And here to say, lucky to say, I guess, that uh, none of them have ever had a crash. We're all good. That's good. It is. I've, I've had enough for, the, for all of them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's just part of being a boy. Um, so... We already addressed number two. When did your passion for cars begin? Uh, you said that was when you were cleaning cars for your brothers and stuff. Um, what has been your favorite car or motorcycle-related vacation? That's an interesting question. That is. A, um, I would say the first time favorite vacation, car vacation, would probably be... Um, when we used to do the Street Machine Nationals, but it, when it was in Springfield. We were talking a long time ago. 
back whenever uh, it used to get really wild and crazy up there. Um, I think those were the best days as far as going to car shows. Lots of burnouts, lots of just crazy things going on on the street. And it was a weekend away from the three kids at that time. And mm -hmm. it was just, we had some good memories for that. That's one of the things that I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say regret, but one of my biggest disappointments, I guess you could say about being a car guy today is hearing all the stories about how much better the car scene itself was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because, you know, I get stories from you as far as, you know, street machine nationals and, and Dean and the Mopar, uh, monster Mopar events down in St. Louis and just how it seemed like every weekend, anywhere you go, there's a car event going on and just party after party after yeah. burnout after burnout. And that's just, it's nothing you really see anymore. And I don't really know what to attest that to. I don't know if it's cause the law cracking down or. Yeah, I think the laws cracked down and also, um, a lot of those people back from that have, I'd say, gotten a little older maybe a little more common sense I don't know if you want to say that but uh, I don't think that the younger generation I think they're like you said their laws are are worse now and they're afraid of what can happen to them if they get caught doing those things as opposed to back when we were kids they'd pretty much slap you on the wrist and send you back home or send you back out of town and wasn't a big deal I don't think they do that anymore yeah and it might be part of now you can sit down any time during the day and get on your phone and get on a Facebook page of cars and talk about cars and show your car picture and all that. Back right. then, if you wanted to talk to people about cars and, and show your car off, you had to go do it in person. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe had a little more weight back then. People weren't as desensitized to the yeah, car like thing. Almost numb to it or, or whatever, like you said. Right. And there's probably some information to be had there too, you know, back Back in those days, I guess, you couldn't get on YouTube and watch how to fix something. If you right. were at one of those events, you're like, oh, you could, you know, put Buick taillights in it this way. Oh, I never thought about that. You know, right. you or know, even kind of get your get your information there, too. Yeah, okay. go into your swap meets because you couldn't buy anything <clears throat> online, you know, use parts online. You had to actually go to the swap meets and see what was out there. Well, I, I know what when you're saying that 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 generation has gotten older and, and maybe wiser is, is a hundred percent true because how many stories have we heard about Dean Willenberg being, you know, a rebel rouser and rowdy car guy. And I'm sure you, you could probably tell us some stories about old Dean, which I won't make you do it, but feel free to volunteer yes. some, but probably that's actually the next question Dean, on the list. Yeah. The, yeah, it turns out, <laughs> but, uh, well now, now his famous line is not going to happen when someone asks him to do a burnout. So, I, I will say I've seen both Gary and Marlene do burnouts, so they haven't grown up yet. So, I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, there's been a few black marks in front of the house out there on the road, time <laughs> or two. So, uh, yeah, until the day or the night that Gary decides he's going to do a burnout in front of the house too, and uh, he goes up the road to turn back around, and he's not coming back, not coming back, and I'm like, something happened, something happened. <laughs> well, it did. I think he tore out the third. Third gear, fourth gear, he ripped them all out and limped it back home. So, whoops. Yeah, parts are more expensive nowadays too. So that's probably why a lot of people aren't as wild and crazy. And uh, and and probably you know, like the like like you said, parts more expensive. The car is worth a lot more. I mean, how many stories 
that you hear all the time, well, I bought this car for $2,500 back in 1984. And, you know, you can't even put tires on a car hardly for 2500 bucks. Right, right. So I, I, I could definitely see that playing a big factor in it, too. I mean, I not that I am one of these car guys, but a lot of car guys collect them just to look at them. And they sit in the garage and they, they're afraid to take them out when it rains or take it out and it gets a scratch or, you know, whatever happens to it. You know, my vehicles are for driving, but I, I can understand if you've got something that's way nicer than anything I got, how you could come to that conclusion where you can't take it anywhere or do anything with it. But at the end of the day, it's a car. It's meant to drive. So, so on that note, if it could, would you do a burnout in the GTX? Oh, yeah. I did one at, at uh, Mo Party. I had to uh, really, uh, you know, I had to get really aggressive with my uh, uh, plan of attack. And there was some beer dumped in the smooth asphalt parking lot. And uh, it, beer? It, it did a, a one-wheel peel, which is in the works of... Super disappointing. Um, which is in the works of getting adjusted, uh, we shall say. So, yeah, I mean... That that's it's not my rowdy car, it's my parade car, if you will. But yeah, it's it'll do burnouts for sure, when it when it is capable of doing them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so question whatever. Uh, tell me your best Dean Willenberg memory. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, unless you want to. Well, look at the time. <laughs> I, I actually I, I didn't run around too much when Dean was. Uh, out on the streets, he was more of the T-town crowd. I was head more towards the Effingham, so didn't hang around with them too much back then. There's a a creek between Effingham and T-town. It kind of divides yeah. divides the population. And it used to be a lot deeper, I think, than it is now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. 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 Um, what is, or are there any memorable stories or moments related to raising kids and cars? Like, was there ever a Something that sticks out in your mind with your kids and cars or, I mean, cause the one that I have is, uh, when, uh, Kyle said that he was polishing, uh, Dean was polishing one side of the super B or something. And Kyle was polishing the other side with driveway gravel or something like that. Or, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got one of those too. I had the, had the convertible out. I was washing it one day and I think it was little Jenna. She was probably about two. She had her swimsuit on, and she was out playing in the water, you know, had the bucket there and the whole thing. And next time I look around the corner, there she is. She's making the circle with the rock on the car. Oh, no. Yep. Almost brought a tear to your eye. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we got that fixed. But, yeah, that was one of those days, too. Wow. Um, What is your favorite car to work on or restore? Well, right now we're in the midst of building a 67 station wagon, Chevelle station wagon with an LS. Um, looking forward to getting that done. It's going to be a head turner, I do believe. It's a good looking car. I've seen it. Yeah, we painted it uh, two-tone to match the Harleys, and one of the Harleys is gone now. But uh, <laughs> Not bitter at <laughs> it's all. Been that while. I've been that long since it's been in the restoration process, but... Uh, yeah, it's going to be good when it's done. I look forward to driving it. So Hot Rod Magazine had an article about it takes, the average car project takes 10 years. Would you say that's about 
where you're at or longer or shorter? Uh, that's about accurate, I think. Yeah, from start to finish, that's pretty accurate. And uh, the Charger took probably, I was going to say, six years to get it done. Um, the wagon's probably been probably close to that as well. And it's not there yet, but it's getting pretty close. My father-in-law has a 60 Ranchero that's probably going on 15, 16 years. Mm. I can I can remember going down there to go canoeing and seeing it, and it hasn't changed a whole lot since then. No, it can drive now. We we uh, drove it to my house, you know, into my shop, and then when we moved it to storage, it drove. But mm-hmm. he doesn't work on it, which makes it go a lot. He's he procrastinates with other projects. Right, but just so many distractions. What would you say the quickest you've done a car in, like the quickest amount of time it took to do one? I would say it probably would have been the convertible, the Chevelle convertible. Um, we got that one. I mean, we didn't didn't buy new quarters at the time because they weren't available when okay. we were working on that car. So he formed the, uh, the the fender wells and fiberglassed it in, and um, you know, do what you can with what you got type thing. And sure. Uh, I think that was probably the shortest time to convert. Good deal. It, yeah, make it streetable. So on a car cruise, what is one song or artist that is a must play? Well, uh, I'm a big Van Halen guy. I'm a big Aerosmith girl, but uh, I don't know. I like Pat Benatar, Heart. All of that kind of stuff. The older stuff. Classic rock type Classic stuff. Classic rock, yeah. Dozer? I don't really do car cruises. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Oh, what about man. when you're wheeling? What do you what do you play when you're wheeling? I, I'm a no music guy. Yeah. Wheeling just because I want to listen to what it's doing and hear, uh, hear what's going on. Like when we went down to Windrock, I had threads pull out of a suspension uh, control arm. And we were sitting there talking and driving, and you could hear it go, tunk, 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 tunk. and you know, my wife looked over at me. She goes, ah, "I think that's a new one." And I don't know if we'd have heard that if we were listening to the radio. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too stressed the whole time. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. It'll, it'll make you die early if you if you're stressed all the time like that. I gotta listen to music everywhere, L- uh, music or podcasts. I got I gotta have something playing. I just can't listen to the silence. So. Uh, I could do the silence. See, I figured she could do the silence. If you can just listen to the lawnmower run while you're mowing, yeah. you know, you're, you're just listening to the big block Mopar yep. on the car cruise. Yep. Yeah. 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 Especially when you hit that highway. Yeah. That radio can go turn down. I, I don't, I wouldn't hear it anyway. I'm listening to the, to the car itself. So. Well, the GTX I enjoy listening to, but the Dart, all I can hear is exhaust leak when I drive and it makes me sad. So. <laughs> Well, I know on my Mustang, the uh, radio wasn't an option because it didn't have one. Right. So, it's, uh, and then plus it had 410 gears and a C4. So, um, you know, if, if it had a radio, you'd be deaf trying to get it loud enough to hear it. Yeah, probably. 410 seemed like an awesome idea at the time. Well, it made it almost as fast as the Mopar. So it's debatable. Um, okay, number seven. What is your all-time favorite car show? Uh, would have to be the Street Machine Nationals. I mean, made lots of friends 
through the years, some of the people that are there every year in the same, because you try to park at the same location all the time. Sure. Uh, especially down at uh, DeCoin. We always had what we called the hill, the gang. Mm -hmm. We all parked up on the hill, and um, same people would park across the way every year, it seemed like, and you get to know them year after year, and you see them once a year, and that's at that show, and just, uh, I don't know, it's just a good time. So that one's still going on, right? It is still going on. Um, we haven't been, we didn't go last year. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. We didn't take a car. We just went down and uh, kind of observed, I guess you would say. We didn't actually take a car. We went in for one day. Normally, it's the weekend, but it's uh, it's more of a um, pro street event, seems like, anymore. That's who they're catering to. Okay. Do you think we could probably go this coming year? Well, sure. Uh, that's one I've, I've never been to. I've always wanted to go, and I've threatened to go for the past six years, and we just... Never make it. That GTX going to be ready? I uh, hope so. That's a no. I got to get... Uh, oh, it's got to be done by a spring run, right? That's Isn't that's that that's the I deadline. Heard? I have a few more parts to order, and then I'm waiting on an engine to get freshened up by Mr. Dean Willenberg. And, I mean, probably two solid weekends, it would be pretty dangerous. But uh, as of right now, I've got two projects ahead of it and then a trip to California. So. Oh, yeah. So when you ask her about car shows, I assumed that was like tv shows is there any tv shows about cars you watch or you not watch too much car stuff on tv just do it in real life uh try to watch the barrett jackson auctions when they're on okay i've actually right. been the, to the barrett jackson auction once and uh i find that very interesting just to see what the market is and uh the cars are going for and yeah you know, dream of course like everybody else <laughs> Uh, uh, at the Barrett-Jackson or is it Meekum that they do the Dodge Thrill Rides? Have you ever done one of those? I've never done one. They do them at Meekum. Yeah, okay. I've never done one. Um, it looks like it'd be fun. I did one at Party, and it made me want a Hellcat real bad. <laughs> and it was right after I bought the GTX and I got out of that. That It was a Hellcat that we got in to do the to do the Thrill Ride. I got out and I told Amanda, I said, I'm selling that GTX. I'm buying one of these. Like two weeks later, Cody bought one, took me for a drive, and I got out of that, and I said, I'm not buying one of these. I can't. I, uh, I'll either be dead in jail or maybe both. I'm not sure. Right. It's, it's way too much. When you talk about auctions and dreaming, my father-in-law had a 65 Ranchero, and he had it for sale on Marketplace for $6,500 or something. Yeah. And everybody, oh, would you take four? Would you take 3500 And a guy from... There's a car auction down by Springfield, Missouri. A guy called him and said, we want it to be in your auction. He's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's a scam. And I was like, no, no, like, why don't you put it in the auction? Right. And he called the guy back. You can have a reserve and all this. It sold for $9,000. Oh, At awesome. the auction? Yep. Yeah. Heck yeah. Couldn't Great. get the time of the day on Marketplace. But, right. And even after he paid 10%, it was still more than yeah. he was asking. So right. Worked out pretty good. It's all about getting to the right market, you know. Yeah. What's your favorite car show? Either on TV or in person, Dozer. I don't watch a whole bunch of TV. I'm trying to think if there's. I kind of like the stuff on YouTube where they like. There's a guy in Canada that goes out in a junkyard and tries to get stuff running. Like supposedly, there's a. You know, the guy said if he can get it running, he won't scrap it. And there's like old cranes out there and like cranes with like two-stroke Detroits. Okay. And stuff like this, and they're always just spraying the piss out of them with ether and, and mm -hmm. trying to get them started. 
But growing up, I mean, the hot rod TV and and extreme four by four and Stacy David, I think it was trucks back then. Yeah. Yep. I always liked all that. Watch that one, Stacy David. That's a familiar name. Yeah. He's got almost as good a hair as Gary. Yeah, almost. (laughs) Um, That was was Saturday mornings. I couldn't wait. I I used to be a big fan of Roadkill before you had to get Motor Trend on demand. Yeah, I did like Roadkill a lot, but I refused to, well, it's free. You just got to create a sign. No, I've got enough sign-ins and passwords in my life. I just, I don't have a whole lot of time to devote to watching online content anymore. I'm pretty busy most of the time, and then... If I'm, if I'm not busy, then I'm kind of relaxing, watching Netflix or something just for background noise while I scroll on Facebook looking for something to buy. Something typically, to buy I like I like the early Roadkill. They did the drag wire, where they bought that like Jaguar four door. Oh, put the blown. Someone had put a 350 in it, and, and they, they put flew, a blower on it. They flew to Northern California and bought it, and like carried on an 871 blower <laughs> onto their luggage, put it on in an O'Reilly's parking lot. And then drove back to Southern California and raced it, and that I really like that one. That that was pretty cool. I think and that's when they started taking the hood off of stuff to keep it cool. We uh, we've done quite a bit of roadkill type stuff ourselves. Um, yeah, we should probably have an episode on some of that. Which one of them will be? We'll have to for sure do an episode, maybe with Cody later about the uh, the toter home coming back from uh, Utah. That was a pretty roadkill type type situation what about in-person car show uh i mean the uh i don't go to a ton of them uh i always like going to gechner brothers that's me too just because you see people and your buddies are doing burnouts the t-town car cruise is super cool because of the burnouts kids love it and then when drag week came through and you could literally walk up to you know 4,000 horsepower pro mods that drove in mm-hmm. hey, you want your kids want to sit in it like yeah. uh, I guess don't touch anything kids yeah you know they said it they don't give a damn they, they don't, don't care they don't understand what and but that was cool all the burnouts there yeah okay My, mine for sure was Gettner Brothers just because it's you know two blocks from my house and it's a bunch of fun um, I really enjoy T-Town Cruise Night but having haphazardly built non-cooling big block vehicles, it's uh, not a very kind event for vehicles that overheat. Right. Well, why don't you put like an electric water pump and a different, you know, fan setup in there? Well, I tried that. That didn't work. Um, so, yeah, it's back to square one. But uh, I really, really enjoy Party. We didn't go this year. Um, but we went the first year and the second year and, uh, I'll definitely be back next year. It's just, it's, it's a Holly really knows how to put an event on, which they've been doing the LS fest and the Ford fest Mm -hmm. for years. So it's, it's, there's never not something to do like to have seminars on doing gen three Hemi swaps and stuff. And they've got the dyno and they've got the car crews that they put on. It's just a, it's a pretty good all-around event so yeah beautiful location too yeah it's uh just just a bit of a haul down to bowling green so when you're talking about your big block overheating and earlier you were talking about your 440 not being that hot i was thinking about when we put that motor together 
your pistons were legitimately an eighth of an inch down the hole. Oh yeah, the smog motor. Yeah. I think with in stock form with the heads that it would have come with, it was like seven something to one compression. And we put the close chamber heads on it and bumped it up to maybe eight and a half to yeah, one. It's not much. But it is board sixty over, so that's just that much more heat built up and you know, so it uh it does not like to stay cool. It'll when we were talking about the uh favorite car memory, I one that sticks out while you're talking about that is after we got your car done at my house and we took it around, it was like midnight and we took it around the block a couple of times with open headers. Oh yeah. And I was like, this is probably kind of rude, you know, cause I lived in town and we pulled it back in the garage and then the police showed up. Oh, no, it wasn't midnight. It was nine o'clock at night. Yeah. It was nine o'clock at night and the police showed up and they're like, Hey, we've got a noise complaint. And I said, uh, okay, but isn't like quiet time after 10 o'clock. Yeah. Well, yeah, technically. And I remember because they thought we were running the car in the garage. Right. No, we were driving it around their block, open headers with no insurance. Yeah. And, uh, well, you just need to keep it down. And I was like, but do we have to? He's like, well, I, I guess no, you don't have to keep it down, but it would just be the neighborly thing to do. We're like, okay, thank you. I'm sure I was being pretty mouthy too. Maybe. I don't know. But I was, I was pretty mouthy back then. Anyway. No, that that was a good one. That was a good one. There's a lot of good memories in the garage on Henrietta Street. We built built some crazy stuff in there. Um, so number eight. How many times do you have to correct people that it's your car and not your husband's? Uh, quite often. Uh, I remember I drove the convertible to Menards one day, and of course, when I whatever car I drive, I normally park away you know, from everyone just cause I don't like door dings and scratches and all of that. Anyway, I come out and there's a couple guys just walking around it, looking at it. And I get up close and they look at me and they're like, I can't believe your husband let you drive his car to town. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure they saw the instant fumes, but uh, I said, well, well, I don't know why he wouldn't let me drive it because it's my car. Oh, okay. <laughs> but do you think they believed you? I don't know if they did or not, but uh, I also get usually get comments on the charger too. Yeah, man, your husband's got a nice car. And then we got the photo album, of course, you know, that shows the restoration through the process. And there's pictures of me underneath it, and pictures of me priming and all of that kind of stuff. And I said, well, it's my car. Okay. Yeah, he does. It's a Chevelle. It's over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's that blue one. <laughs> Them Chevys are a dime a dozen. <laughs> Would you say, did you get uh, more of that when you were younger opposed to now, you know, everything's kind of moving to, uh, you know, girls can, can, can do more than, you know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, uh, years ago, it was more prominent because it was basically, you know, all the guys always had the cars and the girls just sat on the passenger side. So, but yeah, yeah. I, we still get it every now and then, but it was a lot more often years ago. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that because I, I don't. I feel like you know if if my kids saw a girl you know in a classic car they wouldn't be like oh that's weird you know I I don't yeah. know maybe it's I'm just curious if it's different now compared. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's moved way further away now. But I'm I I would feel like it's still something that you'd have to go through. Yeah, every now and then you'll get it, but. Uh... Yeah. I would say due to like Instagram and stuff, though, it's probably cooler now to be a car girl than it ever has been. 
Well, it's as far as getting attention. Oh, it it definitely does that. I mean, what's what's her name that did Drag Week? The uh, Alex Sarah, Taylor. Ale, yeah, Alex Taylor. I mean, she's, you know, not that she's anything special, but she's famous because she's one of the very very few females in the sport of the drag and drive type stuff that that's really really popular right now, and it's you know just guys being guys, I mean, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna want to, you know, kind of buddy up like, Hey, can I, can I help you? You know, you're a cute girl doing this racing thing. Like I'm, you know, a big strong man here to help or whatever. And she's like, no, I got it. And she's jacking up her own car, working on it and everything. So she's, she's become famous for that. So I feel like that's kind of maybe empowered a generation of girls to try and, you know, pursue a passion if, yeah. you know, you know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago it have been like, you know, girls probably still liked the cars, but you know, there was no way for them to break into the hobby because everyone just kind of looked at them like, there's no reason for you to be here. Yeah. But now I think it's, you know, not to get all, you know, feminist and, and, you know, equal this equal that I, I think, you know, today is probably way easier to be a car girl than, than it was maybe when you first started getting into cars. So, and I mean, I would, I would say car girls are attractive to guys, too, just because the idea of if you're dating or married to someone who shares the same hobby, it's going to be a lot less. Yeah, a lot less rub, you know, a lot less rub in the relationship if yeah. if they're enjoy the same thing. Oh, yeah. I used to get questions all the time. Yeah. How can you stand to have your husband out and shed every night working on cars and you're in the house with the kids and all this? And I'm like, well. I'm not in the house with the kids. You know, they're either out there with us or if they're old enough to be in the house by themselves, they're in there. And I said, besides, I said, I know exactly where he's at every night. That's what my <laughs> wife said too. Yeah. And, uh, and me dating a car girl, it's, it's almost bad in the wrong or in the right direction, whatever you want to say, because when I bought my GTX, I, I was I was ready to walk away and she wouldn't let me. She's like, you're buying that car. Like, I don't care whatever it takes. Go, you're just going to buy that car. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm pretty indecisive when it comes to stuff like that. Unless well, There's I've, no voice or reason on, on that side of things. Exactly. Like, like, like oh, I, sh- I, sh- I want to, but I probably shouldn't. Like, oh, go ahead and do it. Yeah, like, go ahead, do oh, it. Yeah, do it. Do it, pussy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, and then, like, she was raised by Marlene and Gary, and they don't sell nothing. And, uh. I was but true. I was trying to sell <laughs> the dart. Space? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to sell the dart and I got a very uh clear and loud that's not going to happen uh from her because that's the car she met me in and that's the car I'm going to keep. So So who told you the was it Gary the you can't build a car collection if you sell stuff or who told you that? Well, I think it was Gary. You can't can't start a car collection by selling stuff. That kind of that kind of spoke to me. And Gary so. doesn't sell hardly anything. We've got project that he bought. The, oh yeah, I'm, I'm buying it because it's a good deal. I'm gonna we're gonna sell it. I'm gonna make money on it. That's probably been three or four years ago, and it's <laughs> still there. I'm it, too much of a love them and leave them guy. It's yeah. for sale though. Yeah, it's yeah. it's for Any, sale. Anyone it's not on for sale. Sixty eight olds four four two. Look me up. Make yeah. you a deal. Yeah, we uh. We need to get that sold for you this Does spring. Does it have a 455 or? What? what? That's the 400. 
400. It's got a some. We need to run the numbers on it again. It's got some some rare engine in it, but uh, it's a good looking car. It's ready to put together and finish. So if you're looking for a 68 442, we got one that's ready to get put to, put together and ready to go. So, um, what's the next one? What is your favorite part of the restoration process? Uh, favorite part would be uh, watching that uh, spray gun, the first swipe down the car with the color. Okay. Yep. Nice. I've not got yeah. to experience that. That's a pretty awesome feeling when you know that it, it's here, it's ready. Big things are happening. Big things are happening. We're close. And now that first... That first spray down that quarter panel with the color on it is pretty awesome. Oh, I, uh, the only time I've experienced that was my wife, his then girlfriend. She had a Chevy Cavalier and she wanted to be yellow. Mm -hmm. And my father-in-law knows just enough about painting to be dangerous. So we, we painted it in his garage, which he painted his Nova in his garage too. And... I just remember it seemed like it took months to paint that. It didn't really, but like you'd go over there one night and you're sanding and Bondo this and she did a color change. So he tore off all oh, the yeah. door trim and everything yep. uh, to paint the, the inside the doors. And, and I just, I remember I finally asked him, I was like, how long is this going to take? And I think we figured out we had 90 hours in painting a 96 Cavalier black to yellow. Yeah. Yeah. When you do that color change, you got to do all the door jams, all that knuckle busting sanding is what I call it. So on the wagon, you painted the inside of the doors and the engine compartment, right? Mm -hmm. That turned out really well. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all two toned inside the doors under the hood. Yep. I remember it was it was winter time, and he had heaters going in the shed because I assume you wanted to be pretty hot. And he said, "If mm -hmm. if you're not sweating, it's not hot enough." Right, <laughs> and that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yep. I uh, only thing I have any plans to paint in the near future would be my Comanche, and I want to do it all myself. Oh. Just just to say that I've done it. So got a color in mind. Uh, is forgiving. Um, what is white? <laughs> oh, I, I want to do like a gunmetal gray. Oh yeah. So if you do it. It'll be the last one you ever do. I promise. You think? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I was talking to Gary, and he said that uh, he'd he'd probably give me a couple pointers. So I think uh, I think we can. And the best part is it's a Jeep. So if I completely ruin it, I can always have Kyle Bedliner it, and yeah, exactly. it, it won't matter. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess the uh, if you think Cinchy was was bad on other projects, I bet on body work. You know, are you gonna paint over that little dent? Better pull that out. Yeah. And this fender flare isn't quite right. Better fix that and that little speck of rust. Well, if it's anything like drywall, I know I'll hate it because I, that's why I don't finish drywall because I'll mess with it and mess with it and mess with it to It'll the point just get where worse. see where you make it worse. Yeah, like. Like, at what point do you know you're done? I don't I don't have the patience for Gary it. Gary says it's nothing like drywall. Because I thought it was the same, too. You know, you spread it on, you sand it off. Gary can't drywall to save his soul. <laughs> but he can paint a car. He can paint a car. He can paint a car. Um, another last question that we have here from our listener is, what are your dreams 
for the next couple of cars to be added to the collection. Grand National. Grand National. Okay. Uh, I'd say, I don't know the particular names of them yet or now, but the, the last models of the Challenger or the Charger that Dodge is going to make. Okay, so a new one. The new one, yeah. I, okay. I mean, that's a dream, right? Yeah. We're allowed to dream. Yeah. Yeah, so, the last production cars, because uh, from what I'm hearing, they're not going to be making those anymore, so. I know that 23 is the last year for the SRT Hellcats. Right. So you, you have a Challenger. What year is your Challenger? It's an 11. It's an 11 Challenger. And uh, that's that's your car. That's another one that did your husband let you? <laughs> My husband lets me drive. Yeah. <laughs> he very rarely drives it, actually. That's that's a cool car, too. So you bring that up. Uh, this is something we want to have a podcast on and be great to ask her. What is your opinion on like new muscle cars versus old muscle cars? Because I, you know, I see a, a newer Challenger, it's like whatever, because I don't know. I always operate under the assumption if my dad can own and operate it, it's not cool. Uh. And, and, uh, he has you know, a my... Ford 500 now. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that's not cool now. <laughs> but, uh, I always think the older stuff is cool because you kind of have to be a car person to keep the older stuff right, going. Right. Uh, the new stuff is cool with, you know, fuel injection, you can drive them 110 mile an hour and right. and not worry about dying. Very reliable, but, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I just didn't know what your opinion was. If you have a preference over one or the other. Or... I think there's pros and cons to both. Um, the newer ones, of course, like I said, they're reliable. So I would feel comfortable getting in that Challenger and driving it, you know, say to Omaha to see my daughter. Would I take my Charger? Not a chance. Because, Which... you know, it's just not... The reliable transportation, um, and that that and the gas mileage. That's right. But uh, so your answer would be just have both. Yeah. So why sense. not? Because you took the Challenger to Bowling Green a couple years ago. I took the when we first time we went to Mo Party, we took the Challenger. We drove it down. Uh, when the next time we went, we trailered the Charger. Yep. Yeah. 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 So. so I remember Boss Man asking me before he bought his Hellcat. If he should buy, because I I just got my GTX and we just went to Mo Party, and he asked me if he should buy this Hellcat that he found or if he should buy like an old he he wants like a '69 Dodge Dart or something like that, and uh, I said, well, you know, it, it depends. Um, do you want people to come up and talk to you at the gas station? Well, no, I don't care about that. I said, well, then I believe you need a new muscle car. Because if you go out in the garage after it sitting for three weeks and the battery's dead and the carburetor lost prime, you're not going to be really happy to drive. You know, it's already a 35 minute drive from your house to town anyway. You'll get in your brother's car show and you got to go home, get the car, come back to work. You're going to go home. Battery's going to be dead. It's not going to start or something. And you're just not going to come to the car show. You go home now, hop in the Hellcat hit the button, come to, come to back go. to town. So I guess like the, the pros and cons also boils down to who is it and who's it for? Because you have been in the car scene and been around cars for so long, you know the 
start procedure for all your guys' cars. Pretty you much, know, you got to yeah. turn the key, pump yeah. the gas, let it crank, or whatever the situation is. So. Yeah, because they do sit sometimes for months, especially winter. Through the winter, they'll sit for months on end, and that first time you try to start them in the spring, yeah. Battery charger, and you got to know exactly how to pump it so you don't flood it. And See, that was my favorite thing about my Mustang is you go out in the garage and my wife couldn't start it. I would always have to go out and start it because it didn't have a choke on it, you know, because race car stuff. Right. And, you know, you pump it however many times and you got to crack it just a little bit, fire it up, sit there with your foot on the gas until it gets warm enough that it'll idle. And, I, you know, you can smell that unburnt gas yeah. and it's just running rough. And, like, I love that. It's funny how they have a personality because, you know, and it, I know that it's not true, but I invent the story in my head. The GTX will, does not like Amanda at all. I, I can drive it all day. She'll get in it. won't run or it'll stumble and die. And uh, then like the dart, she can, she can start it. She can drive it. She's gotten pretty good at that just because we have used it a lot more and a lot longer. But uh, after I, I, I mean, I still believe to this day that my dart was pissed at me for buying the GTX because for that whole year that I was driving the GTX, the dart just wouldn't run. I mean, it would die. It wouldn't restart. It overheated, flood. And I drove it the same way I've always driven it. And it just like, it was just pissed off at me. Like, like I brought a new mistress home or something, you know? So, um, I guess like, do you, I mean, you guys have your cars all parked together and like, do they get along well or? Uh, <laughs> you just usually, really ask that question. You know, the, if you put the, the charger and the big block Chevelle next to each other, they growl. Okay. Oh, yeah, they don't like each other at all. <laughs> My dart hates Gary Chevelle, by the way. <laughs> we, no. we, stopped, we stopped and waited for him at uh, the Stewartson gas station and Gary come and got gas. And I, I was just sitting there. We'd sat there for 10 minutes waiting on him or whatever. That son of a bitch would not start. As soon as Gary's car pulled up, like, like it, it tucked his tail between his legs. It was not happening. <laughs> and Amanda was like, ooh, you're poking fun at me and everything. Because she's, she's a Chevy girl. Yeah. Big but time. She's tr- but she's going to build a Mustang. So Yeah, well, we, you know, she does have ovaries. So yeah. you got to gotta give her some grace. Hey. <laughs> But, but I mean, some of the best stories are breaking down and, and stuff being junk and just giving you hassles. I mean, your story, if you had a new Hellcat, it'd be like, yeah, we went and got gas and yeah. Gary pulled up and then my car started and we went and kept driving. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. I got a roller hot dog from inside. <laughs> I like old stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I, well, like, that's the thing is, you know, when we go on these car cruises together, like the spring run or the fall run. I mean, someone's going to have some kind of trouble. And, I mean, there always is. The, yeah. Like, the fall run, Donna lost a brake caliper bolt. And uh, then we did uh, – and then uh, ran out of fuel. Right, yeah. In, uh, in Jaeger's Corvette. And it's just, like, just part – It all... just adds to the excitement sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's you know something's going to happen, but we can handle it one way or the other. New, new challenger of the gas light being like, well, I've got another 40 miles to get back to Effingham yeah. and get some gas in this thing. <laughs> oh, shoot. Any other questions for Marlene Dozer? Well, um, do you, I mean, you've talked about Chevys and Mopars. Do you have a favorite brand? And is there like a brand rub, you know, in the family? You know, like kind of some people get with baseball playing, you know, 
you got your Cardinal and Cub families. Right. Is there like a Mopar Chevy thing? Which, I mean, you've mentioned that Chevys or GM products are on your want list, but I didn't know if there's any dynamic there. Well, Gary is definitely a diehard Chevy guy. Yeah. I mean, like when we were running around, you know, cruising through the country, I'd see an old Mopar or something. Man, we ought to check that out. Yeah, it's a Mopar. Nobody wants a Dodge. Junk Dodge. <laughs> yeah, junk Dodge. Nobody <laughs> wants a Dodge. So he's definitely pretty much strictly Chevy. I think he's warmed up a little bit to the Mopar side since we've gotten a couple at home. But I like them all, any of the classics. I mean, I'd, I'd drive a 6970 Boss Mustang any day of the week if I had one. So, you know. Yeah, I'm I the like same way. I'm, I'm equal opportunity. I would yeah. drive an Oldsmobile or a Ford. Right. or I, I've just always had Mustangs because my wife grew up in a Ford family. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, if she if she likes it, then then it'll be easier to right. easier yeah. to get. Yep. But, uh, Amanda asked me if I would drive her car once it's done. And I said, hell no. She's like, why? I said, because it's your car. I said, Gary doesn't drive the convertible. Like, it, like when I, when, before I even knew you guys, I would, you know, it was kind of strange to see Marlene getting in the driver's seat and Gary getting in the passenger seat. Like, what's going on here? But... <laughs> Marlene's car, let her drive it. So yeah. I, I so said, I'll, I'll ride passengers in, uh, in, in the Mustang, or I might have to, you know, drive the truck with the trailer because it's a Ford. But you know, either way. <laughs> I think I just realized where I went wrong in life. What's that? So when I built my Mustang, it was too slow to make me happy, and too radical to make my wife happy, and neither one of us liked it. Where I went wrong is I should have had two different cars. Yeah, hundred percent. That's where go. I went wrong. I just now realized that. Yeah. But when we were doing that, we were broke. Oh, yeah. And we had no business doing what we were doing. Yeah. We, we made do. So, like you said, you tried to make it too much, you know, spread out of both. Yeah, it was like two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. You know, it didn't do either one very well. Right. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I should have done that. I was thinking about being broke about when we went and bought your uh, 440 out of a storage unit. Mm-hmm. Mason, and literally just new gaskets and new bearings. I remember you putting it together, and you kept on dropping that rod bearing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you finally got super mad. You're like, "I have no business building a motor," and I think you kicked my stool. Yep. And just broke it all to shit, and you just stormed out and left. I threw. So I. So I was knocked. Is that what that's called? Sandpage. That's correct. Okay. I was. I was knocking the pistons in with the ring compressor, and I was knocking the pistons into the cylinder. And the rod bearing kept falling out of the connecting rod. And I would just, and it, and it obviously we were in completely sterile, you know, working conditions. It was falling into a, <laughs> a thing of dry a, uh, oil, oil dry. dry. Yeah. And I just got, cause I kept cleaning it, but I was so mad. There was a, the rubber mallet I was using. I chucked it. It went from your garage all the way out into the road. I was wearing tennis shoes. I kicked your stool. Pretty, pretty sure I broke my toe. And I just stormed out, and I had to cool down, and I came back, and, and then it went right together. I remember after you left, I was, I was like, kind of upset that you broke my stool. <laughs> and I remember drywalling it back together. That stool is still sitting out in my shop by the plasma table. We sit on it when the table's cutting. With drywall it's screws. drywall screws in it because you kicked it just broke it to shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me buy you a new stool, it. bud. It worth it. Oh, man. Um yeah, no, we didn't really do anything to that. I remember I, I it comes up with my time hop once a year. I had a spreadsheet of what it was going to cost me to build that car, and I compared that to the credit limit on my credit card to see if I could get it done or not. Um, but, yeah, we I basically put 
head gaskets and uh use lenati cam use use cam use lifters used uh valve springs yep everything yeah really the only thing to put a set of rings in it and uh put bearings in it no you didn't put bearings because you're like if i put bearings in this i've got to turn the crank and if i'm going to turn the crank I need to buy a stroker crank. And if I'm going to buy a stroker crank, I need to get heads. Yeah. So you're like, I'm putting it back together. I'm pretty sure some of the bearings had gold in them at the time. Mm-hmm. But yep. still going. Still going, you know, to this day. But it's when you make a 180 horse, you know, it's, it's, it, it's <laughs> hard to tear itself up. It's, it's hard to tear itself up. I mean, uh, you, I mean, you think about like all these little four cylinder cars that go 200, 300,000 miles, just they don't make enough power to hurt themselves. So. If you've got a 440 cubic inch engine that's putting out, you know, 170, 180 horsepower, it's just going to keep chugging along all day long. So we should take your eighth mile time and put that in the calculator and see what it says horsepower wise. Okay. We can do that. We can do that. Do you have, do you have this at? Oh, the internet. Get, you do everything. Fast. Yeah. Get, get, get your calculator out. We'll do it right here. Live on the air. All right. Live at five. So, uh, but no, that, uh, that transmission was put together by Dean Willenberg. And that's the second most impressive part of that car is that not only is the engine still running, knock on wood, the transmission's still holding up and, and he, uh, he, he put it together with used parts. The, the valve body in it, reverse manual valve body was in Rick Willenberg's shed fire. And he was sure it was just junk. And he's like, well, if it don't work, like we'll just try something else. And we put it in there and, uh, and, and it works still working to this day. What, what was your eighth mile ET? It was nine. Oh, no, you were in the eights. No, it was low, low nines, like 9.15. No, you were, you were lower than that. You were like 850. I thought, cause my car ran in the eights. I thought. Did it? Yeah. I don't know. The time slips are still in the dart. But well, that's not helping us right now. Town. Just do 9.15. How much does it weigh? 27.50. Without me in it. So you can probably put 29.53. 20, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. Your flywheel horsepower is calculated at 177. <laughs> so we're close. 180 horsepower. Nice. There you go. I feel like it was. I feel like you ran an eight thirty-five. I really do. Really? Yes. Well, do do quarter mile because that was, uh, it was fourteen thirty in the quarter mile. If you ran an eight thirty-five, it's two hundred and thirty-three horse. That's respectable. They have one for quarter mile. Because I remember vividly remember being at Gateway and them saying, "Are you going to run fourteen seconds?" I was like. Pfft. No, like, well, you need a helmet if you do, and uh, I ran, <laughs> I ran whatever it was, fourteen thirty-five or whatever, and I came back to the ticket booth, and they had circled, oh. wrote on their helmet, and circled it like four times. So Boy. we parked it after that, but that was on. Uh, so it's got, you know, just a regular mechanical fuel pump. What was your ET? Uh, fourteen thirty-five. Oh, and. Uh, it didn't. It doesn't keep up at six thousand. I mean, I was on the chip, you know, at the thousand foot, and the fuel pump wasn't keeping up for the keep the float bowls full. One hundred and eighty four. 
horsepower. So that's probably right. Hundred between 180 and 200 horsepower, I'd say. And I assume that's to the wheels. I thought it said flywheel, but it doesn't say on this one flywheel. That's got to be to so the wheels. That's got to be the wheels. So maybe we're like 225 at the flywheel. Dang, not bad. You figure like a 50% loss to a 727. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. It can't be that bad. They put them in dump trucks. They put them in everything. There's a lot of race cars out there running 727s. But no. If you figure a 40% loss, you're 305 at the flywheel. That's not bad. Not bad at all. I mean, my wife's minivan's like 265, but... I mean, I it's probably just as fast as the Dart. It's fa- it, I'll tell you this. It's faster than a SRT4 Stage 3 with toys up to 80 mile an hour. Good to know. Because I raced Brock Holsey that one time when I, when, I, injected. when I legit jumped a Coke can. Remember that? Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. What's your favorite street racing story, Marlene? Oh, favorite street racing? Well, um, I know I, you guys were talking about, or Kyle was talking about me and Dean talking about racing on the T-Town frontage road back in the day, and um, we were in on that. Didn't have the car to race, but we were there to watch and watch our friends, and also the Clay City blacktop used to be a big hit. What about the Beecher T? I've always heard that was a big one. did do that one. Um, Sigal, Sigal frontage road. Actually did race a in my Cutlass against a friend of mine had a Monte Carlo and we lined him up. I do believe I got him. Did you won? Right. All right. All right. Very good. (laughs) Very good. Those are. Did we ever do any street racing between you and me? Yeah, we raced uh, down the Mondros Blacktop after we left Dean's. We did three, two races. I think I won one and you won one and. Oh, headed towards headed towards Dietrich from Montrose. Yeah. Yes, we were heading yeah. south. Yeah, that's a good straight road. Good stretch, yeah. Telephone pole, to telephone pole, jump a coke can, three quarter <laughs> race cam. <laughs> oh man, we get in a lot more trouble now than they used to, probably. Well, that's oh, well, yeah. that's what Marlene was saying. Like yeah. they'd slap you on the like back then. Like I've heard stories of Dean. Like the cops would take your beer. Oh yeah. And tell you to go home. And now you'd be in jail and yeah, throw away the key, you know. So yeah, we've cruised Maine on uh, with a keg on the back of a pickup truck before back <laughs> in the day. Yeah. Oh so, man, crazy! I was hoping for some nostalgia like this. <laughs> what uh, What was the first time you drove over a hundred mile an hour? First time I drove over a hundred miles an hour was in that little uh, Mustang two. With a four-cylinder going up Green Creek Hill, I hit 102. <laughs> I had her wound tight. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably the first time I went over 100 miles an hour. What What is the fastest you think you've been? Fastest is probably, I would say, I would guess probably in the Challenger when I had it up to like 122. That's moving. From Midway to Sigel. That's that's moving pretty good. Those are how the fastest you've ever been. One time when I got my bike, the first first poker run on the bike, I think I had the bike at a right at 120, and I looked down and I scared myself. That's that's a lot for a Harley with five. I would speed. never do it again ever. That's wound up with a yeah. five speed. Yeah, I uh, the fastest I've been on the street was my dad's pickup truck that had a Hemi in it. Yeah, and. We were going down to Trenton to bring deer meat to the processor, and you get off, and there's 
it's like an interstate, but it's not. It's got just roads that go through it. It's yeah. like they were planning on it being an interstate. Yep. I remember we went 110 because that's the fastest it would go. Me and my brother were driving it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was probably 16 or 17. Perfect. And the fastest not on the street would be my father-in-law's Nova down Gateway, which was probably 120. Okay. Which 120 down Gateway isn't that big a deal. Lots of shutdown. Really, yeah. lots of shutdown is wide, and mm-hmm. uh, no one's going to pull out in front of you. And I remember Ryan had that diesel power stroke that we that he had a chip on, and he came to school one day. He's like, "Dude, if you go past a hundred mile an hour, it goes back and resets. It goes back to zero, and then starts climbing again." Like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got out of no school way. and went north past Builder Supply out into the country. And uh, we went, and I'll be damned if you get to 100 mile an hour on a Super Duty, the speedometer goes back to zero and starts counting again. That's freaking cool. I did not know that. I went uh, 115 is the fastest I've been in my SRT pickup truck. Um, I've been 130 on a 600 CBR, and I've been 140 on a 1,000 CBR, and both of those were stupid, just absolutely stupid. That's, yeah. We yeah, just I have no desire to go that fast on two wheels. No, nope, not again. Yeah. Yep, that was young and dumb type stuff right there. So, Well, do you have any other questions for Mar- Mrs. I Marlene? That, I think that's it. Well, okay. thank you very much, Marlene. Well, yeah. thanks for inviting me. It's, it's been fun. We, we appreciate yeah. you listening and appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, hopefully we get to come back sometime. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, so with this new soundboard here, we have Bluetooth capabilities, so we may do a uh, phone-a-friend lifeline oh, boy. one of these days. So I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, again, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, please like and subscribe and share this podcast and uh if you're a car girl out there listening thanks for listening and uh email us your any uh answers to any of these questions you had what's your favorite you know car memory either growing up as a car girl or raising car girls so um email us at ask short story long at gmail.com or get with us on facebook and we appreciate you guys listening have a nice night see you later guys have a good night everyone